0: have a joke for you i I was about to ask but
1: yeah of course i do please all right what do you call someone who immigrated to sweden i don't know an artificial (laughs) swedener
0: the second sort of scandinavian
1: It is. uh, The first week we had uh, Scandinavian for Norwegian um, boats.
0: Yes. So I I like that. I like that this part of the world has these. uh...
1: (laughs) I mean, prime opportunity for wordplay. Let's you know, that's really what it comes down to. (laughs)
0: Oh, definitely. Definitely. (laughs) Well, everybody, welcome to uh, Why Did You Read That? Starring Megan.
1: Hello, I'm Megan.
0: And uh co-starring me, I'm Peter. And this is uh, Peter. This is the first time we've discussed who's the star and the co-star. But
1: uh Yeah, I was unaware that we had a star and a co-star. I'm okay. I'm a little uncomfortable.
0: That's because you're the star. You're aloof. You're way above it. You're I'm
1: too not good aloof. For... <laughs> wow.
0: Not self aware of her own position <sighs> of greatness.
1: Wow. See now I'm feeling attacked. <laughs> Is this because of the shorter Chris Hemsworth comment? Oh, maybe. Yeah. Well,
0: I, I, I created know. an enemy. That pumped me up, to be honest. I, oh, I'll okay. take shorter. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Even with that caveat. So today, as usual, we're each going to talk about two books. Um, but we have a little bit of a special theme. Our So Collection Resources Department um, has some options to get books from outside of HPLD. If you can't find Mm -hmm. them, basically almost
1: anything, really.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can find stuff that you would think is impossible to find, you know, stuff you've never seen in a bookstore, stuff that might might be available, like on Amazon or something, but for an exorbitant price. Yeah. Um,
1: Stuff that hasn't been in print for years.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, there's the one option is Prospector. That's kind of your first stop. And you'll see that link in the catalog when you're looking for stuff that kind of searches a more local area. But it's great. It's really fast. Then there's interlibrary loan that kind of stretches out to the entire nation and even the world. Uh-huh. Um, so that's very good for hard to find things. And then the third option is a purchase suggestion. Um, you can say oh, the library should have this and you can do that for stuff that you think we should have because you want to read it, or sometimes you might notice that there's a gap in the collection that you're like, "Yeah, why doesn't the library have any copies of, like, Of Mice and Men? That's weird.
1: Yeah. If you notice that, please tell us, because we should have copies of Of Mice and Men. Yes.
0: <laughs> there are many books that we should have copies of. If if you uh, read it as a signed reading in high school, we should probably yeah. have it. Yeah. So... Um, So today we're actually both going to talk about books that are not directly available from the High Plains catalog to sort of prompt everyone to think outside that that box. Right. Think about like, hey, you can get stuff from the library totally free. Mm -hmm. Um, And just because we don't have it doesn't mean that you can't get it through
1: us. Yeah. Libraries are great at sharing and we share with each other, too. Yeah. It's a wonderful system.
0: And it's all kind of coming back online in full force again. You know, last year, 2020 was um, the less said about it, the better.
1: Yeah, it was an interesting time. Let's just say that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, I guess if you were born after 2020 and you're listening to this as a, you know, (laughs) 15 years from now, I don't know why this scenario would happen. But
1: Yeah, just Google 2020 and you'll understand.
0: Yeah, it'll probably be a pretty long Wikipedia entry by then. But, you know, here we are. (laughs) So anyway, like most libraries and stuff are lending things again and getting things out pretty quickly. So I think I went first last time.
1: I couldn't remember, so I'll take your word for it.
0: So if you want to start and tell me your um, four, My four options and a brief thing about each All right. one.
1: Excellent. Okay. The first one I have is a romance called Better at Weddings Than You by Mina V. Escara. And this is um, she is part of a group of Filipino writers who write in English and uh, independently publish their stuff. And it's set in Manila. And it's about a wedding organizer who takes over a wedding for a rival wedding organizer who gets fired because the groom thinks that his his um, fiance is falling for the first wedding organizer.
0: Ah, So sort of a (laughs) wedding planner situation.
1: Yeah. And it's a short and fun romance. Then I've got a series of short stories called Talk To Me, and it's by various authors. They are all from um, the Arctic Circle area, I think mostly Canadian. Uh, and it's a series of horror stories. And Talk To Me um, is an Inuktitut uh, word that means in the dark. I'm sorry, Inuktitut word that means in the dark. And I'm probably mispronouncing things about it, but it was great. Oh, okay,
0: um, <laughs> so this is not like... Talk to me. No. Is, okay.
1: Gotcha. Talk to me. <laughs> okay. Um, series of, of horror stories. Some are are very like, every day could totally happen and some are supernatural like zombies. So nice. series of, of um, Arctic horror. Okay. And then I have another horror book called Voodoo Heart by John Everson. And it's set in New Orleans and there's a strong like mystery component. The main character is a detective who is investigating a series of disappearances Uh, and it involves like, so say you wake up in the morning and your partner is missing and all the, all the, all that you find is that you are in a blood soaked bed with a human heart in the middle and you don't remember anything happening. (laughs) Yeah. That old chestnut. (laughs) Um, So that's um, Voodoo Heart. And then finally I have a sci-fi novel called Aleph Extraction by Dan Morin. And it's like sci-fi adventure. I like to say um, it's an it's an espionage space heist, like Ocean's Eleven, if they were spies and it were on a giant space yacht.
0: Hmm. Okay. (laughs) You've given me um, broad range. Yeah. (laughs) You know, man. Um, I
1: like to make things difficult for
0: you. I know. I want to hear about talk to me the arctic circle horror stories though i think that one sounds
1: i was hoping you would pick it because so few people know about it i don't even i couldn't even tell you how i heard about it um but I think we shared an office for a while. I think you are aware that I have a particular fascination with like polar exploration.
0: Yes. Yeah. The Shackleton yeah. stuff. and Exactly.
1: Yeah. And the Franklin expedition. Like there's something about the Arctic and the Antarctic that I find endlessly fascinating, especially people trying to figure it out and like exploring it. So when I heard that there were Arctic horror stories, because I also love horror, I had to have it. Um, So I got an early copy from the publisher. I was lucky enough that they were willing to send me one and I got to read it. And I think it's brilliant. And so few people, I think there's only one library in the state that owns it. It's Denver Public, Um, but you can get it through Prospector. Um, And I want more people to read it because I really thought it was so good. So, I think it's a series of nine short stories. So, it's not very long. Uh, And like I said, they range from like the super subtle and realistic um, to the all out like post apocalyptic zombie stuff. Um, So, I'm going to start at the more traditional horror end, which is the like supernaturally stuff. Um, So, one story that I remember clearly is about like a zombie outbreak. And as the zombies start um, making their way into like indigenous lands, you get the the combination of, you know, the people who live in this very isolated, you know, harsh community, um, they are already struggling with like the land and then zombies start coming in and then there <laughs> becomes this extra threat of people wanting to relocate them out of this, out of their traditional homeland because it's become increasingly dangerous.
0: Because it's overrun so, like, with zombies.
1: <laughs> Exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I never thought I'd have to make this announcement, but the area has become overrun with zombies.
1: <laughs> overrun with zombies. Probably a good idea to not be around them. But the thing is, like, where where can you go then? If the zombies are in the Arctic, like, is anywhere else going to be more safe? I don't know. Right, right. But, yeah, so you – and, you know, nature is always, like, a, a theme in these because, obviously, when you're living in the Arctic – that is a a regular threat. It's just kind of heightened in these stories. Gotcha. Um, Let's see. There's one about an oncoming blizzard. So a bunch of kids are at school and um, they can see a storm coming and there's an announcement over the loudspeaker, you know, that there's a blizzard coming. And, you know, if you have if you have relatives at the high school, wait for them and they'll walk you home. Everybody else walk home. And uh, so the main character is walking home and it's this. You start to, you know, have you ever been walking somewhere and you start to get this sense that, like, someone or something is wrong and someone's watching you and, like, you become increasingly certain that, you know, that there's something after you?
0: Yeah. And
1: so it's it's that kind of a thing where this kid is on his way home and he's becoming increasingly certain that there is something evil in the storm. And it's the kind of story that I really like in horror because you could totally just say, well, it's this kid walking home alone before a blizzard. He's just freaked out. But what if he's not, you know? Right. Yeah. Good stuff. That sounds cool. And the, yeah. It one of the like most a... powerful. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, you first.
0: Well, it sounds like there's the horror element, but it also has this kind of sense of place that runs Absolutely. through the stories, which is kind of a cool Different yeah. thing.
1: These stories could not take place uh, anywhere but in the Arctic. Right. For sure. And I'm pretty sure that all of the authors are indigenous. I'm not positive about that, but I think that they are. So they're, you know, descended from the Arctic. Cool. So yeah, strong connection to it. And one of my favorite, um, this is unusual for me, because usually with horror, I expect there to be some sort of unexplainable element. Mm-hmm. But one of my favorite short stories in to me um, is about this woman who is out, I believe she she's either hunting or she's like gathering stuff from nature. Uh, and she has her baby with her and they're just, you know, out living life. And then very out of um, character, a bear kind of approaches them. And so she's being chased and attacked by a bear and she has to protect her baby. And like that kind of very real kind of horror and the way it was written, it really, really worked for me. Cause she has these like impossible decisions to make, you know, what do you do? You know, how do you, 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 are carrying an infant you're being chased by a bear. Do you, how can you save your infant? Can you save both of you? If will your baby even be okay if you're not there to take care of it? Like right. horrifying
0: impossible situation. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. Perfect for horror. Yeah. Yeah. These are not like, comforting make you feel better the world's an okay place stories (laughs) yeah well
0: it sounds like there's a bleakness to be had here
1: yeah i mean it's horror that's kind of
0: a part of it so (laughs) that sounds pretty awesome
1: it's great it's not super long and there's only nine i think it it clocks in at under 200 pages but i've never read anything quite like it um and i'm always looking for different so it really hit the spot for me and i've read a lot of online reviews for the people who have found it and some people say that, you know, they liked some of the stories and they didn't like others. But I think that's a strength of it, honestly. Whether you like the very grounded in realism style or the zombie apocalypse style, there's going to be something in here, I think, that will speak to horror readers.
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of always a thing with short story collections by different authors, right? Like some mm-hmm. will work for some people and some won't work for others. But then you find new people that
1: you like. Exactly, yeah, and these are all like small authors without a big following, um, indie published. So it's a it's a great opportunity to find some people that are really easy to miss.
0: That's a great choice. I like that.
1: Thank you. I like it too, and I hope that you read it because I think you would like it.
0: Well, I mostly was complimenting myself for picking it from your four, but I'm
1: just... <laughs> wow. Good job, I don't Peter. Know why. You I picked it right into that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right well that's um talk to me and then it'll be spelled correctly and everything on the yes, um, I will description send you, of this episode
1: yes i will send you all of the information Perfect. Um, for my my picks and it's various authors because it's short stories
0: awesome all right well should i give you my four please do um okay my first one is in the city of shy hunters by tom spanbauer Favorite writer of mine. Um, It's kind of a uh, fiction as memoir, coming of age a little bit uh, as a gay man in New York in the 80s. -hmm. Uh, My second one is called Sleep, Death's Brother. It's a nonfiction, extremely short book about lucid dreaming. Oh. um, Which has kind of caught my... It's fascinating. Um, The next one is called... Oh, and sorry, Sleep Death's Brothers by Jesse Ball. Okay. Uh Trial by the Trial of the Clone by Zach Wienersmith, I think is how <laughs> his name is said. I am so sorry if that's not how it's said, but and it it's kind of like playing a role playing game, like a Dungeons and Dragons when you read the book. So it's a little role playing. Choose your own game. adventure. It's a little choose your own adventure. Exactly. Okay. And then the last one is one that you're familiar with. It is called License to Love by Gina Robinson.
1: License to Love.
0: And it's, I think, one of only a couple romances I've ever read. um, And one of the stranger, wilder rides that I've ever experienced.
1: Fun fact, Peter read this because I asked him to.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) All right. All right. I am going to start with um, In the City of Shy Hunters, because I feel like you would be angry if I neglected to give you the opportunity to talk about one of your favorite all-time authors.
0: I wouldn't be angry, just disappointed. Okay, well,
1: (laughs) and that would hurt more.
0: (laughs) Okay, so Tom Spanbauer is, you know, easily my all-time favorite author. Um, And we have one of his books currently, his most recent book, which is a few years old now. It's called I Loved You More. Um, But In the City of Shy Hunters is, in my opinion, his kind of masterpiece. Um, I think it's really a solid book. So um, I guess plot wise, uh, the summary is um, very parallel to Tom's life. So he grew up in a really rural part of Idaho on a farm um, and then he was uh, gay and his parents discovered that he was gay, and as soon as they discovered that, they kicked him out of the house. Mm-hmm. And he roamed around a little bit and then ended up in Manhattan in the 80s and was living as kind of a building superintendent and a waiter and other, you know, making it making it yeah. in Manhattan, but just barely. Odd jobs. <laughs> yes. Um, and this is a lot about sort of the period where I guess... I don't, I don't want to use the incorrect term for this, but he was sort of discovering himself in context of being gay and mm-hmm. what that meant. And, you know, in a time, obviously, when that had a very different meaning yeah. um, for your public life and your private life, there's quite a bit in here about the AIDS epidemic that swept through the gay community, especially gay men in the eighties and a lot of cities in America and, kind of about how tragic and difficult that was. Yeah. And it you know, it's just got a lot of different interesting scenes and stuff like that. It's it's a hard book to recommend because it's I don't usually like books that are really uh dense. You know, mm-hmm. this isn't a book that you can like sit and read two pages of every day and get through it like it's not that's not going to be a very enjoyable experience. This is kind of a book that I think you do have to probably devote some time and energy to, mm-hmm. you know, it's not one that you could like read while you're listening to music or it's it's like not an airplane book in for me. Right. I don't I don't have a great attention span, everybody. So maybe you have a <laughs> better ability to shut out the world. Um, but if you're like me and that's not the easiest thing in the world, this is this can be a tough one. Like it takes a little bit to get into it. But I think mm-hmm. that part of what's so great about it is when you get into it um, and then you start to feel the rhythms of it and you start to feel how it's all working. And mm-hmm. then it's like your effort is rewarded like 10 times over. Um,
1: okay. So would you say that it's like a style thing that you are connecting with it as much as the the story itself?
0: I think so. I think. It, oh, yeah. It's definitely a stylistic book. Um okay he has a style of writing that he calls dangerous writing and it's got a lot of rules and things like that. As the reader, you're not necessarily, you know, it's not totally transparent. It's not like Mm -hmm. you're going to be reading this and he's obnoxious about it. It just takes a minute to appreciate it. It's very, it's very different. It's a, a style where he kind of explains what's happening he explains, like, uh, the physicality of a lot of things that you wouldn't necessarily think of that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like everything for him is a physical on-the-body experience. Okay. And that has a way of, I think, connecting to, like, your brain when you're reading it. It feels like you're there. You know, you feel like you're there, even though he's describing a situation that I've never been in. hmm So I... It's just an excellent experience. It's a, a great reading experience. The style, by the way, is something he's taught to a lot of other people. So Cheryl Strayed was a, someone he worked with at one point. Um, right. Chuck she Palen- wrote
1: Wild, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, Chuck Palahniuk, Fight Club guy, is probably mm-hmm. his most famous student. But he's, he's worked with so, so many people. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, his stylistic has carried on through a lot of other writers.
1: So is it fair to say that where some books, you know, you kind of start reading them and just let them wash over you like the tide, this is more one that you have to engage with actively to get something out of it?
0: Yeah, I think at first, I mean, maybe here's how I would compare it. It's like um, if you're getting in the ocean and it's super cold and there's Mm -hmm. waves and stuff happening and like at first when you're getting in, it's like it feels like you have to fight your way in a little bit. Yeah. And you have to fight your instincts to just run away. (laughs) (laughs) But that quickly fades. And then, you know, like being in the ocean, the experience of it, once you get past that initial like adjustment period, so worth it. It's so it's so like all encompassing and it. It's very difficult to describe, but that's how I would describe it. It's like it. It takes some effort and the effort is paid off in such a beautiful and expansive way that you will not regret reading this book.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I um, I have read a book by Tom Spanbauer. I think it's his most recent, but I'm not positive about that. It's the one with the like, writing on the cover. Yep. Like handwriting. Yeah. yeah. Is that the one that you mentioned that we have? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I read it on your recommendation because you love his writing so much uh, and it is not the kind of book that I normally read, but I did really appreciate the voice of it, I guess, if, is the way to, to explain it. Like, it's very obvious that what is on the page is intentional and that I'm being guided through an experience, I guess, um, which is something as a reader that I really like knowing that I'm getting an experience that the author intended that they, that nothing is accidental, you know?
0: Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. He yeah. talks about that. Um, he talks in a lot of farm analogies because that's his background. And right. He talks about like readers are kind of like sheep that you have to lead to where you want them to go. And you can't mm-hmm. like pick them up and force them to go but you also can't just let them roam wherever they want. And so it's like a right. very delicate balance to make them yeah. feel okay about where they're going and like they're choosing to go there, but also that they are getting the experience that you intended.
1: Right. It's where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. This is my biggest complaint about some experimental fiction. Like if you're thinking Finnegan's Wake by James Joyce, it feels like it's so open to interpretation.
0: Yeah. Yeah
1: that why am I even there?
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think um, Tom Spanbauer's work is weird because it's in that literary category, I guess. You know, Mm -hmm. that's what you're categorizing. But the concrete details, like what's happening moment to moment, you always know what's happening. Um, It's the more how you feel about it or how, how the characters feel about it that can be more interpretive. Right. And I think that's what I I really enjoy about it. It doesn't tell you how to feel, but it presents everything in such a way that you can, as the reader, decide how you feel about a lot of different things. Right. And. Yeah, I think it's it's a it's an experience of some work, but it's also a very lovely experience. Mm
1: -hmm. And I think. Well, and that's the joy of reading. Like sometimes you get, you know, books about clown mafias. Right. <laughs> and sometimes you get to engage on a deeper level and that you get to kind of pick what you're what you're in the mood for. Yeah.
0: I mean maybe the best book I could compare it to is like a cormac McCarthy type book. Okay. I and mean, I think like when I read The Road, I remember thinking at first like, geez, I don't know if I can get into this. Mm-hmm. Um but then he you kind of start to hear the music of it. You start to feel the rhythm of it. And then yeah. by the time you're done, you're just like, I don't know if I can read any book but this book after this. Like, I don't <laughs> even know where to go.
1: So this is where we're different because I read The Road and I put it down and I was like, is life worth living?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is a dark book. <laughs>
1: it's so dark.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is pretty, pretty grim.
1: It is. Uh, You have to have a high tolerance for that, I think. Yeah, I can appreciate it for for what it did. And I thought it did it masterfully. But for the kind of reader I am, it was just too overwhelmingly bleak.
0: Yeah, I think everyone's got their sort of like store of energy for how much darkness they can tolerate. And the road is, I I think, would drain that store for just (laughs) about anybody.
1: Can confirm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like Tom's books are. That's another thing. I think they aren't all darkness they have a, a huge mixture of dark and light and fun and tragedy and you know right. all, it's it, they feel like real life that way okay so yeah okay in the city so you don't need Shy
1: to Hunters. proceed with caution you're not going to you know head into a depressive episode most likely
0: probably not um you know it, it talks about hard real life things um right if if you're not a reader by the way who can tolerate you know there are some graphic sex moments in the book um so if that is not if that's just something you can't hang with i probably would steer you away from that one but yeah there are there are moments of levity there are moments of sadness you know it's okay it's a good mix
1: well and i think that right now um you know because we're coming off of such a difficult year a lot of people are concentrating on fluffier more hopeful reads but i have talked to people and i've listened to people talking about uh how they want something that's a little more dark that's a little more reflecting of of you know how hard things can get and proof that you can get through them anyway or that you can find moments of joy even in in tough times and so i think there are readers who are who are looking for something that's a little heavier even now yeah
0: And it definitely has an ending that to me was like one of those beauty in the profane kind of things. Yeah. You know, a very ugly scene, but someone's finding the beauty in it. And yeah, if that's kind of if that's your jam, uh, this is a book for you for sure. Cool. All right. (laughs) Um,
1: All right. Do you need a reminder?
0: Let's see. Better at weddings. Yep. Uh, That's kind of a wedding planner uh, (laughs) dual romance. Um, uh, could I
1: mean, kind of. They end up partnering because one gets fired, but.
0: Oh, they don't do a Pistols at Dawn or something? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, Voodoo Heart, New Orleans uh-huh. horror detective novel. Yep. And Aleph Extraction. Is that what that's yes. called? Um, yes. I can't read my own handwriting.
1: <laughs> that's okay. I um, keep notes for a reason. <laughs>
0: And I just wrote espionage space heist.
1: <laughs> that's that's it.
0: <laughs> I'm very torn between the third and fourth, but I think I'm going to go with the espionage space heist.
1: All right. Let's don't double up on the horror for for one episode.
0: I mean, who doesn't love a heist?
1: I love a heist. Right. Yeah. Heists are pretty great. Um So it's a sci-fi adventure, and it's actually the second in a series, the Galactic Cold War series. But I didn't read the first book, uh, and I had no problems. And in fact, I loved this book. It was one of my favorite sci-fi books from last year. Hmm. So it is, like I said, espionage, space heist. Like Ocean's Eleven, if they were spies and it were on a space yacht. So you've got this crew. You can just stop. uh, I'm sold. (laughs) You're sold? Okay. Moving on.
0: (laughs) But just in case anyone's listening. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay, I'll, I'll go into some of the plot just just in case anyone needs anything else, although let's be honest, you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've got this crew of secret agents and they're part of like a black ops thing. like they're they're part of a crew, but it's not even a crew that that government, you know, every government official will know about. Um, and there are rumors that this mysterious alien artifact has surfaced. Um, and it may not even exist. And even if it does exist, it may not do what it's supposed to do. I think it has to do with something for space travel. Honestly, it doesn't matter. It's a thing that they need to get. And that's all you really need to know. (laughs) Um, so the rumor is that this space gangster has it on the space cruise ship. And so they need to get onto the cruise ship and try to steal it from the space gangster. So this cruise ship is like a giant floating city in space. You know, it has coffee shops and casinos and apartments and workers' quarters. And it's it's um, it's massive. It's like an ocean liner on steroids and in space. So the first half of the book is a lot of like, Deep cover, espionage, investigation, you get, you know, people with secret identities and they're sneaking around and they're being in places they shouldn't be and taking risks. And um, one of them ends up having dinner with the gangster, you know, and it's like their best lead. But also she's alone with the gangster and, you know, could be dangerous. And then after you get past that second, the first half, you get into the more action packed, like James Bondy stuff. Identities get burned, things start going wrong, there's a ticking clock for retrieving the artifact. Um, there's this great scene, and I don't want to get into too much detail, but it involves a spacewalk while traveling through a wormhole, <laughs> which is pretty great and fun and also dangerous, which is what makes it so like exciting and adrenaline-filled.
0: They do um, always need not... that. They always need that part where it's like mm-hmm. they're doing something physically dangerous. You know, it kind of yes. reminds me of like um the like in a Mission Impossible movie. They always exactly. have, to have that one big stunt piece.
1: Yes, they're coming in through the ceiling and you can't touch the floor part.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you're like, I don't know why somebody made this, but whatever. Yeah. I'm along for the ride.
1: <laughs> Well, because the idea of like the, the the wormhole, and I'm not a sciency. Well, I'm kind of a sciency person. I'm an amateur sciency person, but I don't understand the physics of space. But my understanding from this book, or at least the way this book is set up, is that when you're in a wormhole, it is like a way to quick travel very long distances in space, and you don't want a spacewalk in one because if you fall off of you know whatever, you become untethered from the ship you are then floating through a wormhole, never to be recovered. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so like, if you fall out, you don't you do that lightly anymore. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, you know, it's, I think it's a great pick for anyone who's maybe interested in trying sci-fi, but is nervous about the sciencey part of sci-fi, you know, because there's a wide range with science fiction and sometimes it gets very like, we're going to have 50 pages about physics And, you know, climate and, you know, everything sciencey and very technical language. And it's all going to go over your head. Right, Right. And this is not that book. It's it's not super dense with the science part. But it's filled with action and intrigue and espionage. So if, if you're looking for science fiction that's like an action movie, I think this is a, a great pick. Uh, and it is part of a series. So if you wanted to start in book one, I put book one on my reading list. I do plan to go back and read it because I liked this one so much. So you could start there or you could start here. I didn't have any problems with the second book.
0: So you, you can start with book two, which is mm-hmm. this book and... You probably you. It's not like you'll be like, "What is happening?"
1: Right. Yeah, I didn't have any trouble. There were obviously references to things that had happened in the past, but I didn't feel like not knowing kept me out of the story. Any.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, there was. Um, my partner has been watching the series Lost over you know a couple months.
1: Okay. The older like yeah the big series okay yeah the island.
0: Yep, with like the mysterious island and weird things happening, and mm-hmm. I saw probably every fourth or fifth episode. And mm-hmm. <laughs> Lost was an app title in my case. I was like, <laughs> I don't even know who this person is. What are they talking about? <sighs> okay, so yeah, not this is like not that. Lost. Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> not where it's like, eh, you can't really dip in
1: and out of Lost. That's a that was, I don't recommend that experience. <laughs> You know, good to know. I've never seen Lost, so now I know not to dip in and out.
0: Yeah, probably. I don't know how close of attention you need to pay, but at least some.
1: You need to at least see the the big episodes in in the order that they were intended to be. You should
0: probably be in the room for most of the series.
1: (laughs) Okay. Making a a personal note.
0: (laughs) I like that. I like that you could kind of go in and out on this, though. and It's not a tragedy.
1: Yeah. But I mean, I, I have ex- high expectations for the first book. So anyone who really feels strongly about reading series in order, I don't think you'd have any any problems. Um, and that one is also available through Prospector. So you could get the first or get both or just get the second if you just want the space heist. Nice. Well,
0: I'm kind yeah. of sad that we don't have this now. This is the uh, <laughs> know, downside really of this episode. <laughs> I'm like, why don't we have this?
1: I know, because there are so many books, so I many great so. books.
0: There are a lot of books, turns out. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and some really special stuff is out there. I know. <laughs> well, that's right. awesome. I like it. Yeah, I I recommend. I had a great time with it. It's fairly long, but it's so filled with like heisty stuff that you don't care.
0: <laughs> I feel like uh, uh, these heist stories often even when they're longer, it's like they have these sort of discrete stages. Yeah. Of like, you know, putting the team together and then getting in place. <laughs> and then there's always whatever messes it up at some point. The
1: thing good that went wrong. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the time crunch that we have to get it now.
0: <laughs> yes. The thing where it's like, OK, but if we do it within this certain window of time, that other thing yeah. works. And yeah.
1: Yeah. And if you're even a minute late, yeah. disaster.
0: <laughs> That's why I could never be involved in a heist.
1: Yeah, they're really? fun to read about, but I would definitely be paralyzed.
0: <laughs> oh man. If anything involved being precisely on time, i I'm doomed. Our team would be yeah. doomed. Yeah. <laughs> just the just the weakness of
1: mine. <laughs> I'm I'm aware. It's okay. We forgive you.
0: <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs> no problem.
0: All right. All right. Do you need a so, reminder?
1: I actually wrote them down this week. You'll be proud Uh-oh. of me. I know. So we have Sleep, Death's Brother, which is the um, Loose Dreaming. Yep. Trial of the Clone. Yep. And License to Love. Yep. And you know that I have to be License <laughs> to Love. <laughs> All right.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad you did, because this actually involves a, uh interlibrary loan story, which I don't have yes. a lot of. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have this one and one other one where I... I requested a book, um, the title that I won't repeat here because it has, you know, some profane stuff in it. Okay. And it was so embarrassing because I ordered it. And then uh, for people who don't know, there's a person in charge of our interlibrary loan department, nicest, sweetest person you could ever meet. Yeah,
1: absolutely lovely.
0: And she had to send me an email that was like, we're unable to get, and then she had to type in this title. (laughs) And then, you know, do you want me to try this or that? And I was like, it's cool. Like, I don't I don't need it. And I just felt so embarrassed. You should not feel embarrassed to ask for yeah. things that are weird. She would absolutely never judge. Never. She never said a thing to me about it. She's like the no. most pleasant person ever. Anyway, the my other interlibrary loan story is. I believe you'd run across this somewhere, maybe in a blog. i read a
1: review for it. Yeah.
0: And then you were like, you should read this. I think you should read this. And I was like, I don't know. And then it wasn't in our collection. So you put in an interlibrary loan request for it. And then true. it turned out that we couldn't interlibrary loan it. So this person just went ahead and bought it for our collection. <laughs> So, yeah. you know, I was like, oh, okay, I guess uh, Peter's requesting this book, License to Love, and it's a romance. and
1: <laughs> so With a cartoon cover, full nine yards.
0: Yeah, it's like got a very pink and purple cartoon cover. And it's like, you see, it's just a lady's legs in a bathtub. And her one leg is kind of up in the air and the other one's bent. And she's got like a little pistol strapped to her thigh. <laughs>
1: As you do when you're bathing. I mean,
0: you know, I don't I don't think of myself as like a macho lumberjack type, but I do feel like this book cover goes so far in the other direction that even for someone like me, gets kind of a double take. Reading. reading it. <laughs> so. License to Love. License to Love is a book about a magician who is named Rock Powers. And Excellent he, name. I know. And he's a Vegas magician. And then he had a love affair with his assistant, who in a very confusing, I think this may have been an error in the book or something. because
1: <laughs> As a romance reader, I can promise you it is not.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> her real name is Lonnie Silkwater, which sounds like a pretty amazing uh, magician assistant name. Um, But when she's being a magician's assistant, she goes by the name Lonnie Torres. And like, I went back and forth in the book like three times because I was like, I must have switched this. Right. Because Lonnie Silkwater completely sounds like a magician's assistant. And why you would go with the fake name Lonnie Torres. Like, don't you have to go more bizarre for your magician assistant name?
1: Not in romance, because romance <laughs> characters always not always, but often have bananas names.
0: That's true because I mean Rock Powers is Rock Powers, you know our main character. Um, <laughs> so she was Rock Powers's assistant and then sort of mysteriously disappeared. Um, it turns out that she works for, I think the CIA. I don't know if it's specific. It's a government agency like the CIA. And so she comes back because she's basically like, we need to we need to address a situation that's happening. And the only person for the job is Rock Powers, Vegas. Naturally. Yep.
1: The CIA often has need of the services of Vegas magicians, I've heard.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And it turns out um, there is an evil organization that kind of reminded me of like Cobra from G.I. Joe or something. Okay. And they have a plan to basically storm area 51 now this was before i i feel like a few years ago there was some kind of like reddit movement or something of people yeah i remember this (laughs) they were gonna like storm area 51 and like find out for real what was going on and i don't think that ever really happened I'm not.
1: I think a, like a handful of people showed up. I remember there were some pictures on the internet of like yeah. people in costumes like running in the desert.
0: Yeah. And I think a bunch of people were like, this is a great idea. But then probably it rolls around and they're like, eh, hey, I'm not driving to the middle of New Mexico yeah. for this.
1: I'm not going to get shot by secret <laughs> government agents.
0: Right. For a Reddit joke. Yeah. <laughs> so the head or. Yeah, the head of this evil organization is a rival magician to Rock Powers and is somehow going to try and do something to pull off a raid on Area 51. And um, it's this, let's see, I wrote down the name. Something Marauders is what it's called. There's like a name to this magic trick. (laughs) Um, Outlandish Marauders Um, is the name.
1: (laughs) I love romance so much. (laughs) So the
0: evil organization is called Riot. And the head of the organization, this rival magician, is going to pull this trick called Outlandish Marauders um, in order to... That somehow enables him to storm Area 51, for I'm not totally sure why. And... The CIA is like, rock powers, you invented outlandish marauders. And they're all talking about this like this is a thing. Like, we know what that is.
1: (laughs) The the amazing, historic, world-renowned magic trick that we all know of.
0: And that has never been done before. But, you know, everyone's like this theoretical magic trick that's never happened. I don't know. And well, so, I don't
1: know if you know this, Peter, but magicians are well known for sharing their tricks um, yeah. and the secrets of them.
0: I was, you know. Yeah. And I don't know how. I, I don't know. Anyway, the CIA contracts with Rock Powers because somehow if he manages to pull off the trick before um, the evil organization, that somehow ruins their plan. Okay. Okay. What I loved about this book, I, you know, I don't, I'm not gonna, I'm not trying to like bash on the romance genre. I don't think this book is necessarily uh, indicative of the genre. I think it's a certain narrow type within the genre.
1: It is absolutely indicative of a segment of the genre. And just to be clear... I love over the top bananas romance. So while I'm laughing at this, I'm laughing at it with affection. I absolutely adore stuff that is crazy. I had an
0: extremely enjoyable experience with this. (laughs)
1: Like, (laughs) that's, you
0: know, there's things about it that I think are bizarre and weird, but they were bizarre and weird and almost like it felt like the spirit of uh, the 80s action movie was alive in the romance genre. I was like, yeah. I found it. You know, when you're watching. This, go ahead. No, no. Go. You finish. When you're watching Tango and Cash and oh, just yeah. weird things happening and like it shows the cover of the newspaper and it's like hero cops do it again or something. And you're like, in this fictional world, does everybody know who Tango and Cash is? Like, I don't know a single cop team that's like you know <laughs> mm-hmm. taking down organizations or something you know what i mean like this yeah is, this isn't a thing but in the world of tango and cash this is totally a thing yeah and that's what this felt like to me was that sort yeah. of like heightened blown up expanded reality
1: yeah this is ex- that's exactly what this type of romance is doing it's almost entirely fan service every decision it makes is for fun It's to make you laugh. It's to provide like some action. It's to like every decision is made because it's fun. Yes. Yeah. It's not meant to be like impressive and weighty. You know, this is not Tom Spanbauer writing where he's taking you on a very specific experience. Right. This is somebody saying like, I am going to show you an amazing time. It's going to be ridiculous, but you're going to have fun.
0: Yes. Yep. If you just get in and hold on, it's great. And it, it reminded me too of like, on that same thing, like, yeah, if you're somebody who gets real into the details of, like, how did this work and blah, 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 this is not that kind of book. This right. is like um there's the movie critic guy, Joe Bob Briggs, and he would uh-huh. go review all these drive in movies like Basket Case and stuff like that. And he had this saying he would employ sometimes, which is like this movie had too much plot getting in the way of the story. And it's like everything was overexplained, explained and like, you know, I understood what was happening, but maybe that interrupted the fun. This has mm-hmm. none of that. This is. Yeah, like, we
1: have we have a saying in the romance reading community for that. Um, we call it romance reasons and then yeah. he needs to do this for romance reasons.
0: Exactly. Like <laughs> That's all you had need to know. brackets and bold text that said. And then romance reasons, blah 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 blah. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like, okay. <laughs> I mean, let me put it like this. If you can be the kind of person who like you know, part of the climax of this book takes place on a flying saucer and a guy has a rocket launcher with a bayonet on it, like if <laughs> if that speaks to you, this is I recommend license to love wholeheartedly. <laughs>
1: A rocket launcher with a bayonet, just in case you get into close combat with your rocket launcher.
0: Yeah, right. In case you come around the corner with your rocket launcher. For some reason, you've elected to use a rocket launcher, which should <laughs> exclusively be a long range weapon, but also has a bayonet. on it. And, you know, of yeah. course, for romance reasons, turns out that that's actually makes sense in the scenario mm-hmm. that's been created, but it's it exactly really what was needed. Yeah. But it really should not be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, and you know, if you, if you kind of have a, a sense of humor about some of the like classic romantic tropes, you know, this, this will be very pleasing.
1: Will you talk about the gadgets? Cause I remember you talking about the gadgets, like the finger oh, gun.
0: Yes, there was, um, trying to remember how this works okay (laughs) there's a sequence where rock powers has to be at a poker game for whatever it's (laughs) it's like doing a james bond thing right Uh uh-huh but like (laughs) rock powers is not allowed to actually play in the game because he's too amazing and everything so they he just has to stand and watch but he's playing hypothetically in his mind so you're kind of reading rock powers the thoughts of how he would be winning this poker game if he were allowed to play <laughs> and then he has a okay a bad guy spy has a gun which is disguised as a stylus and then rock powers has one it's a single shot pistol that's a fake thumb so a it's, thumb yeah it <laughs> slips over his thumb and somehow it's like a single shot pistol rock powers also has a gun that's disguised as a magic wand
1: <laughs> naturally when I, you're a magician
0: yeah i mean i don't i don't know exactly and this is a great example of like things that aren't explained because it's like how do you make a magic wand gun like what does that even look like how do you fire it how does it work how do you hold on to it when it like shoots in it no, don't worry about it not important <laughs> Um,
1: I just hope that you don't shoot yourself in the face if you give someone a thumbs up.
0: Yes, right.
1: <laughs> well, tragedy.
0: It's like everybody, it's it's almost like they're at this, you know, secret poker game and, you know, everyone's been searched for weapons. So it's like this guy has a stylus secret gun. This guy has a secret thumb gun. You know, somebody else <laughs> probably has a secret gun hidden in their hat or something. And you're like... Maybe you should just let them bring in guns because then you would know <laughs> where their guns were instead of everyone still has a gun. It's just a secret gun. <laughs> it's yeah. It's, it, and there's so many little like, you know, um, I don't know. It's like uh, Rock Powers. Just he reminds me of old Superman because like in old Superman comics, he would just kind of manifest a new superpower every time he needed one. Mm -hmm. There was a one I remember where it was like Lex Luthor built some kind of super machine that did something bad and then blew it up, you know, Mm -hmm. so it couldn't be undone. But because Superman had seen the machine just for a glimpse for a second, his super memory allowed him to put it back together. Um, (laughs) And that's kind of what happens with rock powers is like, you know, at some point it's like, oh, he can hold his breath for seven minutes and he can read lips, and he can like, <laughs> you know, he does like a, he's like a rope climbing champion of some kind or something, you know. Yeah. It's like,
1: it's it, like playing make believe with a ten a year old, where they're yes. like, "Well, it doesn't matter that you shot me because I can't be shot. Exactly. I'm impervious to bullets."
0: Well, yeah, exactly. I'm an expert code breaker, so I was able to break your code. You know, <laughs> just yeah. <laughs> And it must be so frustrating to be a villain who's going against Rock Powers because you're just like how is he, how does he know how to do everything? It's like he's manifesting powers based on whatever I do.
1: But on the other side, you do get to shake your fist at the heavens and say curse you Rock Powers.
0: Yes, which is pretty amazing <laughs> as your as your bayonet uh rocket launcher falls to the ground. You can... <laughs> built out a cursy rock powers Uh,
1: yeah so yeah this is this is why i love romances for this exact kind of book
0: it's so fun and i do recommend too like if you're if you're um if you read this i recommend reading this like as a buddy read with somebody else because i think half the fun of this book is talking to someone else about it like me telling you about what i was reading was as fun as reading it and also improved the reading part. Because Mm -hmm. as I was reading this, I was like, I cannot wait to tell Megan what is (laughs) happening in this book.
1: And I was enjoying listening to you. Oh, It's it's incredible.
0: (laughs) It's just, you know, everything that happens. Yeah. Like you said, it's kind of like any choice that I would make if I were writing, if someone was like, here's the bare bones plot. Any choice that I would make, the opposite choice is not even the opposite. A choice that I wouldn't even consider available is Mm -hmm. the one that's made.
1: (laughs) It's so great. To remarkable effect. Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I highly, highly recommend this. Like if you if you're just someone who's like romance isn't for me, you might be right. But this is still fun anyway. If you're someone who loves, loves, loves romance, I think you would probably also enjoy this on the level of like, they really, she really went for it. Like she went there and she's doing the stuff.
1: (laughs) Yep. Yep. I love it.
0: Yeah. I, I also, I very much enjoyed it. And it's, you're right. It's the exact opposite end of the spectrum of why I love Tom Spannauer books. <laughs> so if you were listening to that part and thinking like, eh, I don't know. It doesn't sound for me. I don't know if I did a great job of selling it. But if that's how you feel about that book, go with this one. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> or, you know, try both and learn something about yourself as a reader.
0: Yes. <laughs> I I feel like if you read both of those books everything else you read for the rest of your life will fall somewhere in between those on a spectrum.
1: (laughs) You can start your own spectrum. You can be like, is it more, is it on the license to love side? Yeah. Or the, in the city of shy hunters side. And you can just have a sliding scale.
0: Yeah. If you wanted to create some kind of like a rating and review scale, that's not like one star, five star. If you were like, Let's see. I'm gonna make it a color-based scale and it's just gonna be colors of the rainbow, but not an in an order. This will provide you the polls that you need on the end.
1: Yep. <laughs> and if you ever manage to um go past the license to love end, let me know because I want to read it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. All well, right. That's such a high to end on. But I also feel like, uh, you know, I'm like, I got to like do work the rest of today. And I don't know how I'm going to come down from this.
1: You know, it's too hot for work. Let's all just take (laughs) naps instead.
0: (laughs) All right. Do you want to go through your four and then give us a sentence or two as well about the ones you didn't get to talk about?
1: Absolutely. Um, So the first book I talked about is Talk to Me. And I'll go ahead and spell it out just in case nobody wants to look at the the podcast description it's t-a-a-q-t-u-m-i talk to me um, by various authors and it is a series of horror um, short stories set in the arctic by indigenous writers i'm pretty sure about that Um, really great not that long so if you're looking for a fun cold read in this horrible summer heat wave we're in um, that is a good one Uh, the second book i talked about is the aleph extraction by dan morin And this is uh, an espionage space heist. And I don't know that I need to say more because that's great. (laughs) Uh, Then I have um, a short romance novel called Better at Weddings Than You by Mina V. Esquera. Uh, And she is a Filipina and writes a series. This is part of her Chic Manila series. They're all set in Manila. And it's about rival wedding planners and if you like a really competent heroine who's great at her job, I highly recommend Mina Villas-Guerra. She's, she writes that really wonderfully, and I love that book. And then I had another horror novel called Voodoo Heart by John Everson. Um, it's about a string of disappearances involving you know pools of blood in the bed and a, a human heart, and no bodies ever found in voodoo. And um, there's some graphic scenes. So if you're a sensitive reader, this is probably not for you. But if you like a nice, gory, graphic um, horror novel set in like creepy New Orleans with dark rituals and snakes and gruesome crying scenes and stuff, this is for you.
0: Excellent. <laughs> um, I had In the City of Shy Hunters by Tom Spanbauer. That I talked about quite a bit. And then License to Love by Gina Robinson. Bayonet rocket launcher. (laughs) And the (laughs) two I didn't get to talk about. One was called Sleep, Death's Brother uh, by Jesse Ball. It's a very short nonfiction. It's kind of, um, I feel strange saying it. It's a nonfiction instructional book on lucid dreaming. So that's being asleep and dreaming and being in control of what's happening in your dreams. Side note,
1: did yeah. you ever manage to lucid dream?
0: A little, this? kind of. Okay. Yes. Um, All right. It's weird because it gives you kind of real world waking life practices that are supposed to help you lucid dream. And okay. it seemed like it was working. And then, of course, because I'm a human being, I stopped doing the waking life part and it completely collapsed. It's kind of it's got a, a very altruistic angle to it it's basically written for uh people who are incarcerated and also for kids who are maybe in tough life situations ah basically people who don't have agency in their waking life because their dreaming life they can do things and make decisions in their dream life that's cool and then sorry
1: that was a bit of a cheat
0: (laughs) no that's that's okay (laughs) um and the other one is trial of the clone by zach wienersmith So this is kind of like a choose your own adventure with a a little bit more role playing elements to it. So you have like um, hit points and items that you collect and things like that. And it's comedy. It's kind of a futuristic Star Wars comedy situation. And you do dice rolls by flipping through the pages have random numbers, I think, on the bottom. So you flip through the pages. It counts as a dice roll in situations you know where it's like how much damage do you do to this or how much damage do you take Mm -hmm. it's very fun so is
1: it like dungeons and dragons that you don't need to have a bunch of other people for
0: exactly so if you wanted to try like a solo dungeons and dragons thing and it's it's a lot of fun it's and it's fun to read even if you weren't like that into the game element of it and then it's uh broken up into sort of chapters or sections so you don't have to like go back to the very beginning if something happens. Okay. I believe the way it it's called Trial of the Clone because you're cloned and so if you die, you come back in a clone uh, body and continue from where you left off. Yeah. <laughs> it's super fun and it's kind of a a very different reading experience. Yeah. So there you go. Cool. We did it.
1: Yeah, I think we did a good job of finding exciting things that we Don't own for various reasons definitely
0: yeah and you know if you see things that uh or if you don't see things if you go to our website mylibrary.us and there's a services tab at the top and if you go there you'll find a, a section for interlibrary loan prospector and purchase suggestions and that guides you through the entire process and there's even help guides on there like if you get caught up in it or you're not sure how it works Yeah.
1: And you can always call us or pop in and we're happy to help you that way, too.
0: Totally. Yep. Yeah. If you're looking in the library or yeah, if you want to give us a call, 888-861-7323, we can we can help (laughs) you out with that as well. Yeah. It's what we're here for. All right. Well, thanks, Megan.
1: Thank you. That was a good time.
0: It was good. And we'll see everybody. Well, we'll talk to everybody next time. (laughs)